Marvel 616 Politics, Episode 4, with Andy Kirby and Jared Mayo. So prepare for a chance of a lifetime. Be prepared for sensational news. A shining new era is tiptoeing nearer. And where do we feature? Just listen to teacher. I know it sounds sordid, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. And injustice deliciously square. Be prepared. How you doing today? I'm doing great, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It seems like you're always doing great whenever I call you. I, it, life is good. <laughs> well, let's give out our, our information. Right? We have uh, we got our website up, our new website, marvel616politics.com, and you can email us, our, our few listeners that are out there, and we do have some. It's amazing. Um, marvel616politics at gmail.com. And you can actually leave us a voicemail, and we will hear your words and your voice, and we will get back to you. And hopefully, we'll be able to play it on the show. So uh, the number is 985-276-9275. Did you know we could do all that? I didn't know about the message leaving. I tell you, I know. I'm on, I'm on top of things here. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> Hopefully, People do it. Leave us. Tell us how awful we are. Tell us what's great. Let yeah, exactly, exactly. Ask us questions like, "What about why Tina Turner? Why?" And we're going <laughs> to we're going to talk about that today. Obviously, the big story. We didn't get to talk about it last week because it was Labor Day and both of us were busy. But the big story is Disney buying Marvel. Huge story. It's ridiculous, <laughs> dude. I was at work. Uh, it was 8.30. It was probably my best day at work in quite some time. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Twitter starts going nuts with, Disney just purchased Marvel. It's an acquisition. It's, it's, and I was like, what? And so I went and checked it out on the, on the web. I probably wasted an hour of work. And, and it was true. And my day was ruined. I was like, great. This is terrible. It was ruined. Tell me about that. Well... I don't know how you feel about it, and I'll, hopefully you'll tell me. But, uh, man, I, I just I don't know if I like the whole thing. I, I don't know if I like the idea of Marvel or Disney buying Marvel. I think it was more technically an acquisition. I'm not sure exactly what the difference is. But they purchased all outstanding shares of Marvel, or they will, for like 30 bucks, and the market value is like 26 So they're going to purchase them at 30 bucks, and then they're going to trade them or give them like 0.73 shares of Disney for each Marvel stock that anybody had. Now, I will confess, it made me want to have Marvel stock, but yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Anyway, I don't know. I worry about the content. Like, I'm not a huge Disney fan, 
And a lot of the, the beef I have with them is like, you know, you saw Finding Nemo, right? Yep. Okay. And I don't know if this stuck out to you, but my biggest beef with them is movies where they the kids know better than the adults. And, like, the yeah. adults learn a lesson like, oh, we should just let them grow up, and they were right all, the, all along. And, like, no, having kids, my kids need to obey me instead of, Showing me, oh, it, it turned circumstances turned out okay, so that means that dad, you were wrong. That's, and that just, oh, that kills me. Like that fish, Nemo, he went and he did something he was not supposed to do, but it turned out okay. And the lesson that everybody learned was not obey your father because this whole thing wouldn't have happened. It's believe in your children and let them know that you believe in them because their little fin can do more than you think. That's a stupid, that's that the dumbest <laughs> lesson to learn from a, oh, I was so mad when I saw that. I won't let my kids watch that movie. I won't tell them why, but yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I can't stand that. Anyway, all right, well, what do you think about the deal? Well, do you think it's going to, I mean, I kind of look at it, I'm still on the fence about it, okay? But I think it might be a good, you know, it's good to see a comparison between Warner Brothers and D.C., and how they treat the DC is that they're basically, you know, hands off on the majority of things. As long as the comics are making them some money, they they don't really care. So as long as Disney keeps up with that, it's going to be great exposure for Marvel characters to really make them. Besides Spider-Man, X-Men, and Hulk being you know, household names, characters that you know are. I can't hear you, bro. You there? Sorry, man. No, that's all right. It's got to be on this. It's got to be on the work phone so that because I got the record button and I can't trust Google Voice to record it because we lost it last time. Oh, the, note to our listeners: Episode three, we lost an entire hour and we had to make do with what we had because of Google Voice. Now I know I learned my lesson. It's in beta, but now we have uh, a backup recording that we're going with. <laughs> so I apologize for that. No, it still sounded great, man. Good editing. Oh, thank you. Did you you actually listen to this one? Did you have you listened to them all? I've listened to all of them. Oh my! Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we haven't talked at all this week because they've been uh, doing the what the asbestos removal, or was that last week? What was going on with that? Well, that was last week, but this week all the all the kids came back. So I've had to actually do work, so I haven't been able to be on Facebook and talk to you all day. Oh, see, here I thought that. You were like stranded out in the middle of somewhere, and you didn't have Facebook. But you're I know, I've got it. It's just they're making me actually work this week. Oh, okay. It's, you so know, wait, I can the... play on Facebook all day. <laughs> <laughs> play on Facebook. I don't know what you're trying to insinuate there that I do here at work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying I do. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, I thought the, I thought the kids were already back. Well, they came back last week. Oh. All right, so before, the week before Labor Day? I'm trying to remember. No, they came back the day after Labor Day. Man, oh, man. They, and that's in Ohio. Is that the whole state of Ohio? No, no, just our building because we couldn't have kids because of the asbestos removal. Oh. So we had to start late. I got they you. called me back early to just kind of sit around and get paid for a while. Oh, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. where, where's the money coming from? Come on. <laughs> Well, I I didn't understand that. I thought so. When did everybody start up there? Well, I came. I went back August third, and then the teachers came back the tenth, 
but the children didn't start until last Tuesday. Well, what did you do? I mean, you came back before the teachers. What were, what were you doing? Like, was it only you in the building? Uh, no, it was me, another supervisor, and uh, some a couple other staff. But, what? yeah, it was pretty boring. Like, you know, <laughs> seven and a half hours on Facebook every day. Okay. <laughs> you, well, just so you know, you added a lot to my day when you did that. <laughs> it was fun, man. You know, I'd get ten messages from Andy a day. It was great. <laughs> I just became a supervisor myself, and I won't. I won't talk about it too much because who knows the people I might supervise or supervise might listen to this show. And uh, I will say one thing though: it's like it's not a raise, it's not really a promotion. It's just uh, my boss telling his whole department, like, "Okay, now Andy's in charge of you guys," and and because I don't have time to deal with it. So like, that's cool. I'm I'm fine with that. But like, a lot of people are coming up and congratulating me. And that would be fine, except they're congratulating me in front of the people I'm supposed to supervise. And so mm. I'm kind of like ex on the congratulations, day. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, it's a big step. It's a big deal. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's not that, you know, it's not that bad. It's not that big. <laughs> and, you know, man, I just, I feel bad. I feel bad for being excited, you know? I was I, I went home, I told Jackie, sure. and I was like, you know, this is awesome because now I feel like we can get a lot done in my department that I wanted to get done for for a long time because we have the manpower and the structure. And she was like, well, that, that's fantastic, that's great. And I was like, yeah, but I can't be excited at work mm. because it's pretty much the guy and, and, and woman who I'm the supervisor of now, instead of them answering directly to my boss, they answer to me, and then I answer to my boss. So they, it could be viewed as a demotion, but sure, you know, there's no pay decrease or anything. So just because you got one extra boss in, in the line, I don't think that's necessarily a demotion. So why why are you getting moved up supervisor but not getting anything extra? Because money's super tight right now, and I probably was getting paid more than they could afford anyway. Oh, okay. So like, <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with it. I, I, uh, I am definitely okay with it because when they hired me out of the Air Force, they were like, "Okay, we're going to pay you this set amount," and I was like, "Wow, that's you know that's really generous." And they said, "Well, we, you know, we're hiring you for you know later on. We want it's an investment. We we think you're going to be managing eventually." I was like, "That that's cool." Okay. So like when they gave me a supervisory or managerial position, I didn't say, "Hey, where's my pay increase?" Because that's what they hired me for to begin with. That makes sense. Yeah. So I follow you now. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Anyway, what? What? All right. Get back the Disney thing. The Disney buy a Marvel. Did you hear what yeah. I said about Namor Carnival cruises? Yeah, dude. Is that what? That'd you, be great. Is that what you want? I mean, I, anything that if, if if they can get the Marvel name and the Marvel characters out there to the public without turning, you know, like Magneto into a bad guy just because we need a bad guy, like, as long as he doesn't, like, lose what's behind him, you know, you don't lose the character of the story, I'm all good with it, you know, it'd be, it'd be great to see, you know, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Girl action figures in the Barbie aisle, you know, and, and to see, like, really cool animated movies instead of a couple of these that these Marvel ones that have come out lately <laughs> that you don't like. Apparently, no. apparently I mean, you don't like Disney. 
Well, some of them were. I mean, like Wolverine, the the Hulk versus. Yeah, that was sweet. That was awesome. It you know had blood and stuff. It was cool. But then like we had those Kid Avengers or whatever that movie. Oh, that was the, awful. Yeah, I didn't see that one. No. Uh, the Doctor Strange movie was boring. The Iron Man movie was boring. Yeah, I and never it, finished Iron Man because it was it was kind of boring. Yeah. But Disney has, you know, the dominating. They are dominating in the animation field. They've got Pixar. Like we could see some really sweet stuff. Well, I'm hoping that we start to see on DVD a lot of the the superheroes, like the the X Men. Well, X Men was Fox, I guess, but Spider Man on Fox Kids. But they're rerunning that on Disney stations and ABC, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, Disney owns ABC. ABC, one of them, they own each other. Disney owns ABC. Yeah, yeah, Disney owns ABC, but, uh, you know, Fox originally aired. It was Fox Kids that aired the 1994-96 Spider-Man. So, I don't know. I'm hoping to see those hit DVD, you know? And I know the X-Men yeah, one hit DVD, fun. too, but the, from what I heard, all the reviews, the the picture quality is not that good. I heard, too. I heard the audio wasn't that great, either. I don't know why that... I mean, did they lose the originals, or what's going on with that? Might have just been like, a, oh, the Wolverine movie's out. Let's hurry up and get these out now. I don't know. Don't be terrible. I don't <laughs> appreciate that. But then again, I mean, uh, here I am condemning a subpar product, and two weeks ago I released episode three of our podcast that was missing a whole hour. So. <laughs> <laughs> what, what can you do? <laughs> well, anyway. All right, man. I, well, I did get it's started to compare us to Disney. <laughs> Yeah, well, obviously. I mean, I'm of the same caliber as... I don't even know who's ahead of... <laughs> We're on our way. <laughs> we, we each have our own. Anyway, what else is new? Anything new with uh, the youth group? Uh, no, we had an association meeting this week, so we didn't get to go to the youth group on Wednesday. What's association? So, oh, the, like the housing development we live in. Like they, have, they had a meeting to uh, raise our rates, so Jennifer and I skipped youth group to go and vote no. Oh, well... Why would anybody? Why would anybody vote yes? Because they have this, you know, this big guy coming and say this is what needs done to the exterior, and you have to have so much reserve fund, and people won't buy into the community, and this needs fixed, and all this, and I don't know. It's kind of it's very political. But we showed up in in droves, and we voted no, and it's like the fourth time we've had this vote on this increase, and instead of you know going back to the drawing table and saying okay, well we don't need this, and will bring the increase down. They just keep putting the same increase on the ballot. And I asked them about it in front of everybody. I said, you know, you know, in, in typical politics, like when you're voting for a school you know, levy or whatever, they ask for $10 million. If you vote it down, then they go back to the drawing board and they come back and ask for $9 million, you know? And they're like, well, we're just going to keep doing this until it passes. <laughs> uh, it's not really a vote then, is it? You're just telling us this is what we're going to eventually have to pay. Well, that's ridiculous. Oh, that's okay. We're going to win. <laughs> well, that's insane. What are the rest what about of you, man? Aren't you working with the youth group? Yeah. Yeah, we are. Uh, you know, we had Labor Day off, so we went up to Kentucky. No, we went up to Tennessee to visit my yeah. new little nephew. But, you know, the, the youth group we're meeting tomorrow. We're having fun. Oh, actually, next Saturday we're having a wee party. And I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but it's going to be like we're going to divide up into teams and whoever's the best at baseball, whoever's the best at golf from your team – Whoever's the best at uh, Smash Brothers and Mario Kart and uh, probably Guitar Hero, you know, you throw up against 
the other team, and then we're going to have points, and then we're going to uh, do prizes and stuff. So it'll be fun. I think it'll be cool. Yeah. That'll be a blast. Yeah, the only thing is, like, our TV is a tube TV. You know, it's not a flat screen. And it's it's not really that big. So I don't know if I'm going to get some guffaws about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do what you can, you know. I know. Like, I, I was, I'm kind of so worried about it that I was looking at flat screen TVs. I was like, oh, this one's only... Yeah, this one's only $300. Maybe I can, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, just just leave it, you know? They they can deal with it. The day after Thanksgiving, man. The day Wait after the Thanksgiving. Sale. I, might, I might do that. Oh, man, I can't see. I think I swore that off because that guy died last year the day after Thanksgiving at Walmart. Oh. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Yeah. That killed me. I thought, this is what I thought should happen, and I'm a huge person for justice, so maybe... Maybe I'm a little too extreme, but I thought that they should have closed the building. Everybody who was in there after the guy got killed closed the building, said everybody was indicted for murder after, because they said, everybody please leave, there's been a death, and people would not leave. So anybody who would not leave closed the building and bring up charges against them for manslaughter, and then, you know, hold them, and then anybody who was seen on the video then they should be indicted for manslaughter. That's what I think. Because if you didn't leave, because you had your first chance, you said, all right, there's been a death, I'm going to be respectful, and I'm going to leave, you know, then we can assume that you came in and the mass drove and you had to walk over the guy or else you were getting crushed too. But if you didn't leave and you were like, yeah. no, shopping is more important than human life, then you deserve whatever you get. I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. That's so that's awful. <clears throat> I thought that was terrible. And then Walmart gets brought up, like, I think Walmart got indicted or sued or something because they put their employees in a dangerous position. No, it's the public. They should be held responsible. Ah. Yeah, poor Walmart. They get the blame for everything. They do suck in many ways, but they get the blame for a lot of stuff. Yeah, but they're, I don't know all the ins and outs, but they're a pretty decent company. I mean, they treat their employees pretty decently. I know they don't back down from any, any, Anybody suing them, they don't settle. They're like, okay, let's bring it on, bring it to court. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> you have to, you have to respect that. I look at them as the opposite of Microsoft in the way they do things. I know Microsoft's a big bad company too, and Walmart is too. But Microsoft, they just they go out and pick fights, and Walmart doesn't do that. <laughs> anyway, well, speaking of Day of Thanksgiving, though, that's where we got our our uh, flat screen, our forty-two flat screen. TV the day after Thanksgiving, but we got it online because they put so much of their stuff online. Oh. You can stay home and shop. Oh, really? I didn't even think about Just that. Just do that. And did you get a good price? And who'd you buy it from? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got it from uh, Best Buy at about 4 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Because they would, like, slowly release stuff. It wasn't all at midnight or whatever. Oh. You got to keep checking? It was nice. So you're talking, you're saying Spider-Man Marathon at night watching and refreshing the page. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I will, I will do that. I will do that this Thanksgiving. I don't know where I'll be, but I'll be like, no, sorry, I can't go to sleep. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, i got to go flat screen and watch Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm watching Spider-Man. <laughs> well, that's cool. All right. Now, we did get some feedback from a couple people who I know who listen to the show 
We didn't get any emails yet. We're still waiting for our first email. Listeners out there, email us. Email us. 616politics at gmail.com and marvel616politics at gmail.com. All right. The feedback I got is, what is with Tina Turner? And I, and I warned you about this. <laughs> I warned you we're going to talk about it. So what, what's the deal? What's with Tina? What's the infatuation? Do you know All right. that I... Uh, All right. You... I, I looked up our part, our podcast. I was like, okay, I want to see if anybody's talking about our podcast, right? So I typed into mm-hmm. Google, 616 Politics, and from now on it's Marvel 616 Politics because you can't start a website without with a with a number, apparently. So I looked it up, and it, it popped up to my surprise. And I was like, oh, awesome. And I started looking, and it was a Tina Turner message board. <laughs> so it must have been you. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. All right, so lay it on me. What's the deal? All right, quick quick version. I was born in 82. You were, were you born in 82 as well? Yes. Yep. Now everybody right. knows how young we are. <laughs> uh, so that was around, you know, so in 1984, Tina released What's Love Got to Do With It, which was her big comeback song. Oh, ob- everybody and, knows that. Yeah. yeah, 1984, the year Tina. I'm sorry, <laughs> I won't interrupt anymore. <laughs> okay, go on. It really was the year of Tina. Okay. <laughs> this right. is back in the day where, like, MTV showed only music videos. Gotcha. You know, there were no reality shows. It was straight-up music videos, and there were only, like, you know, 30 to 40 of them. Okay. So, like, you know, my parents, they watched MTV. It was just on all the time, and whatever we did around the house, MTV was always on. That song was huge at that time. And so I'd walk around the house going, got do, got do, and mom wasn't really sure what I was saying. And so finally the video came on, and I stopped in my tracks, and I sang along, got do, got do with it. And, you know, I was only a year and a half old, so it was kind of like my first words were, mom, dad, yes, no, and then got do, got do. (laughs) So they were like, oh, finally we know what he's saying. Let's take him to a concert. (laughs) Are you serious? So you went to a Tina Turner concert. Yeah. They took me in 85. I was only two, two and a half. And we went to see Tina. I don't. I obviously don't remember anything about it. And then we went again in '87. They took me to another Tina concert, so I was only four and a half then. And it just it's stuck since. Are they as big a Tina Turner fans as you are? No, no, not even close. No, <laughs> no way. They're, uh, I mean, like before my mom passed, she would, you know, she would anytime they came, Tina came to St. Louis, you know, we'd go out and. Uh, I'd go see her, and my dad took me to a couple shows, but it's mostly been, you know, whatever money I can scrape up, if she's around, I'll show up. <laughs> All right, so give me some Tina stories throughout the years. Well, in um, in college at Cedarville, they were looking for Tina Turner's biggest fan, Oprah was, <laughs> so all my friends wrote in and everything, and I wrote in, before, the, and they were making phone calls to fly people up to Chicago to see Tina. And before I got the phone call, my other friend Donovan got a phone call from Oprah's show and said, hey, we want you to come out and be a special guest on the show. Um, How many tickets do you need? And he said, well, I want one for me and one for my friend Jared. And they said, oh, we're going to call him next, but we'll go ahead and give you the ticket. So (laughs) that's crazy. That's crazy. (laughs) I had no idea. It was kind of, it sucked that I didn't get the call from Oprah, but we went up to Chicago and Oprah's limo came and picked us up from the hotel, and we got to go backstage. We didn't get to meet uh, Tina or anybody, but we got to go backstage to get to our seats, and 
we watched Tina on the Oprah show, and and then we flew out. Um, gosh, just last March, we it was a secret that she was going to be in Las Vegas with Cher and Oprah, and but we found out because we got all the connections, and so Donovan and I flew out and had tickets, and so those are more the the crazy ones. Are you are you making this up? I don't know, man. I didn't know this actually happened. Like. Oprah calls up people and says, come on out, we're having Tina on the show? Yeah, well, I mean, it was posted on her website. She was looking for Tina Turner's biggest fan. That's insane. That's insane. I learn something <laughs> new about you all the time. <laughs> That's amazing. So do I know this Donovan? Times. Do I know Donovan? I know you don't know Donovan. Okay. He is, uh, he's from Texas. How did you meet? An, uh, is he as big a Tina Turner fan as you are? Absolutely, yeah. I saw him on VH1 uh, aired uh, the first three songs of Tina's opening tour in 2000, the 24-7 tour. And I saw this, this black kid just, like, going crazy. And we all saw it on the Tina list, and we all type in, and Donovan's like, that was me, and whatever. And so then I go to see her in St. Louis, and I see him, like, in the fifth row, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's a, you know, like, Donovan was famous to all of us. <laughs> so I ran down there, and... Just like, I know you don't know me, but I'm Jared, and you're Donovan, and you're really famous. And, <laughs> and uh, we've just been tight since then. We've flown, I've flown to Texas just to hang out with him, and we meet up at any concert we can. Oh, that's, that's awesome, man. How old is he? I think he's, uh, he's probably about 29. He's a couple years older than me. All right, well, Donovan, if you listen to the show, you can call in, leave a voicemail. We'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll air it. You can tell us why. <laughs> you can tell us your Tina Turner story. So if you get in touch with Donovan or you see him on the message board, give him that message. Have him call the oh, have him call the number. She pulled him up on stage. He's uh, he's a little bit closer to Tina than I am. He, he got pulled up on stage. That's... Yeah, because he Donovan was nuts. He like quit his jobs and just followed her from show to show. So he's and like, at, a... like his 18th show after being in the front row and doing all the dance moves. She's finally like, get up here and do Proud Mary with me, and it was awesome. It's on YouTube. You have to check it out, dude. I will. Was it? Was it called? You just type in Donovan and Tina Turner, and it'll be there. <laughs> I didn't know this guy was famous, man. So you got two famous friends, Tina. Well, three: Tina, Donovan, and Oprah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all get together on the weekend sometimes. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I'm sure. I'm sure Jennifer's happy that she's a part of the group. <laughs> She's just like, you're such a dork. You're obsessed <laughs> with a 70-year-old woman, and you've got a comic book room. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? There's Everybody has their interests, okay? All right. Well, <laughs> enough of that. So anyway, this infatuation of Tina Turner has led us to our awards segment, which are uh, what we affectionately call the Tinas, because all our awards um, are song titles from her discography. So anyway, we thought we'd throw in something fun there. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about what's on shelves now. What you been reading? Well, I've been reading X-Force New Avengers. Those were the two that I picked out for this week. All right. And I picked out Captain America Reborn 2 and The Marvel's Project number 1. So if you want to take us through if you want to take us through your first one. Sure. Yeah, and I think I think this is good. I mean, the the four titles that we picked are pretty. They are kind of all over the universe. Yeah, Marvel. So right, I think we're gonna probably so much, we're, like. We're, I know our last episode was just X Men. This is gonna be a little more well rounded. Right, and we're gonna. Um, 
I think we're going to do this from now on. We're just going to pick the best of the best, and we'll complain about what we don't like, obviously. But we'll pick the best that's come out in the past couple weeks, three weeks, or months, and uh, we'll probably review three or four of them, and then we'll talk about how it all fits into what's going on in the universe and kind of the politics of the universe. Sounds good. Well, good. All right. <laughs> because that, I'm <laughs> running out of ideas to make the show work. <laughs> oh, no, dude. It works very well. Very creative. So I had X-Force 18. Okay, good. And it opens up with just a sweet, sweet cover. I loved it. Of X-23, uh, with Wolverine has his hand on the little containment center she's in, and you see his reflection. And that's just uh, one of the probably the best covers of the year, I would have to say, for me. And we go on, and it opens up with Hammer as X-23. No, I'm sorry, Hammer. Well, they have X-23, but in the opening, they have... Boomer, Meltdown, Boom Boom, again, whatever she's going by. Um, <laughs> if you'll remember, in the last issue, she was saved. Her life was saved by some time travel, and we won't go back into all that. Right. Um, but it opens uh, with some ha- with one of the Hammer agents. It looks like he's about to um, molest uh, Meltdown, and just as, you know, he's getting ready or whatever, you see the knife come flying into the back of the dude's head, and there's blood all over the place, and you just see Warpath standing over the other hammer agent. Just a sweet scene. Like, there aren't a lot of scenes where you read a comic book and you get a big old smile, but when I saw that knife just explode in that guy's head and Warpath there, I was just, big old grin, man. That was awesome. And the dude is like you know how the, for his life. Do you know how disgusting you what? Do you know how disgusting you sound <laughs> when I saw that knife in the guy's head <laughs> and the blood spatter on <laughs> Boom Boom's face? <laughs> All right. Anyway, I, I, you know, Warpath is not gonna mess around. You know, right. he's a bad guy and he's gonna he'll mess you up. <laughs> All right. So. uh the Warpath, the, the dude comes flying through the through the wall, and he's obviously dead. Warpath comes over to, to take care of uh, Boom Boom, and there's a big explosion from last issue when Surge kind of exploded at the end. Uh, so we move on, and we just see Domino's reaction to the explosion, but then the aftermath of the explosion, you know, no one is hurt. She's not really sure what's going on, but she sees Wolverine and Archangel, um, holding some of the Hellion and Surge and Elixir and covered in blood and they're kind of like, you know, uh, what's going on? Well, it turns out that when she exploded, um, Elixir had touched her and removed all of the bad legacy virus in her. But then Hellion had used telekinesis to funnel the blast up into the sky so nobody got hurt. But Wolverine's biggest question is, where is Laura X-23? And so then we cut to X-23, and she is locked up in Hammer, and it doesn't look like some good things are about to happen for her. Uh, Agent Morales is there, and she says, welcome home. Uh, we cut into... Now, do we, Frost do, we know, uh, do we know who Agent Morales is? Like, do we, have we seen, we seen we her did. before or no? Didn't she... Uh, I thought she had something to do with the whole making of X-23, didn't she? I guess so, but when was X-23, wasn't, didn't she debut in uh, NYX, or did she debut in, in she the, the new X-Men? She debuted in NYX. I thought Agent Morales, wasn't she the one that had raised her? I can't, I can't remember. 
All right, I'm going to write that down, and we're going to check into that for next episode. Okay, all right, we'll do that. Because <laughs> we don't want to give anybody the wrong information. Okay, right. No, people, I mean, people count on us, so obviously <laughs> we need to, need to do what's right there. <laughs> so uh, now we cut back to this crazy frost giant thing, and uh, he's chasing Wolfsbane and Hiramari. Um, a fight ensues, Hiramari... Make sure, you know, he jumps on one of the frost giants and then moves, so the other frost giant kills the other frost giant, and that scene kind of ends with both of them standing there, hey, ready we... to live or die and take on these two frost giants. They, um, for those frost then, giants, they, they do look cool. I like the art on them. They do look cool. Just a little, I don't really understand why. Yeah, that's I mean, maybe we'll find out, but it's just kind of a weird subplot. I hope so. Can we back up for a second where Agent Morales says, welcome home? Sure. Okay, can you tell me if that is her tongue or her lower lip? Oh, that's her tongue. <laughs> Why is she sticking her tongue out? Welcome home. <laughs> this is the weirdest looking thing I've ever seen. Did you notice that or no? I did. I guess I just didn't think about it. Okay, it's like page 10 or 11, and uh, for those of you yeah. listening at home, <laughs> write in and tell us whether that's her tongue or her lip and why she's sticking her tongue out. <laughs> okay. We're going to have some interaction on this episode. Yeah, well, you know, um, I'm trying to encourage that. <laughs> we cut to New York and a graveyard, and we've got Calvin is back alive. He's holding a tombstone and saying, this is the first, my master, which is kind of like a foreshadowing of Celine coming back and uh, for the upcoming storyline. We look to the next page, and we find out that the, the tombstone he's holding is Doug Ramsey's, which he died back in the 80s. He was Cypher. Um, his, his ability was just that he could understand all dialects throughout the universe. It's kind of a pretty much lame uh, mutant <laughs> power. Uh, his death was pretty <laughs> it was it was pretty stupid <laughs> but, uh, his death was pretty core to the titles back then it had a, a pretty big impact on the new mutants at that time okay now the new mutants and x-force and x-men legacy are all gonna have like a crossover thing coming up right and that's necrotia you got it yeah okay so Be that this obviously has to deal with all that yep it's kind of like foreshadowing i think all right now who's eli bard we see cal uh, uh, wasn't he in the last go ahead well, we see Caliban hugging the, the gravestone, and we see Elisus, Eli? Wither. Oh, we see Wither, Eli and then we Wither. see Eli Bard. And you said he's in the last? He's in the last one? He's in X-Force uh, I 17? thought he was in the last issue. I have to break that one out and look. All right. I know he's been seen before. we got to check out Eli Bard and Agent Morales. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then we cut to San Francisco, and Beast and Cyclops are talking. Um... Beast is kind of explaining, you know, how all the students are going to be because they're knocked up in the uh, in the uh, infirmary. And then there are these two red eyes that say, no, not yet, and out jumps Wolverine and busts through the glass, takes Cyclops down. Awesome scene. Awesome. He, he puts his two, three of his, two of his three claws out on Cyclops' neck and it is awesome just to, to see him just taken down. Wolverine is obviously upset about the kids being put in harm because of Cyclops. Uh, they start talking about Hope and Cable being alive. Now, 
Now, did X-Force, did, did that issue happen, the X-Force cable crossover, did that happen in cable, or did that also happen in X-Force? It also happened in X-Force. So it was okay. a it was mess- Messiah War, which is like a two-part of a three-part series, Messiah Complex, Messiah War, and then whatever else comes after that, we don't know yet. But um, okay, what had happened was, I think you I think you read it too, but they got pulled out right when they were going in to save Boom Boom, and yeah, um, I, that's what he's that's what he's mad about here, right? He comes in, and he's like, we were on a mission. How dare you pull us? And then they get thrown into the future. They end up with Strife and Apocalypse, who are going to play bigger roles coming soon. And I think that it. I don't know if that in the next coming year. I read an article from I think the Toronto convention. The X panel announced that you know we're going to deal with Strife and Apocalypse in this whole next coming year in the X title. So that should that'd be good for you, right? You like those characters. Oh yeah, Apocalypse is one of my favorites. I just felt like I had missed something, but I obviously just need to. I just read issues 17 and 18, but maybe I need to go back and read 16. Uh, well, you uh, you probably caught it. It was just, you know, not much happened there. So. Oh okay. They're just kind of alluding to it. Well, no, they they showed it. Yeah, you do need to go back and look. <laughs> no, they showed everything, uh, but right now they're talking about it. Didn't have a major impact in in the Marvel U because it didn't change the status quo. All we all we know now is that they uh, Scott knows for sure that Hope and Cable are still alive in the future somewhere, and that's all that that was. It was like four four to six issues or something that just led to that. And then bringing back Apocalypse. It brought back Apocalypse, uh, Apocalypse and Strife. All right. Well, I will check that stuff out. I had not, not seen Apocalypse or Strife yet. Oh, okay. All right. So, basically, Wolverine then, you know, just gets Cyclops up, and, and they talk about, you know, what's going on with Hope and, and uh, Cable, and Wolverine reveals that she's not a baby, she's nine years old, and... Uh, Cyclops wants to know more about what's going on and says, where are you going? But Wolverine says that he is, right now his biggest concern is finding X-23. And uh, Tom Cyclops that he better hope that she's okay. Uh, we cut to uh, a little room and we've got uh, Boomer on the hot seat with Warpath, Domino, and Wolverine asking her questions uh, about what, what happened on Hammer and, and what all is going on. Um, Wolverine says that we got to find the Cuckoos and Warren. Uh, get them into Cere- get the cuckoos into Cerebra. We gotta get to the bottom of this and find X-23. Back to location unknown with X-23 and Agent Morales. Uh, they're both face- both of their faces are covered in blood, and the bottom of the page shows X-23's arm just laying on the ground. Yeah, that was pretty gross. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now it looks that, okay. No, no, this may sound stupid. But the reason I, there is a reason I'm asking this. It looks hollow, okay? It doesn't show any bone or anything like that. And the reason why I'm asking that is at the very end, um, when you see next next cover for next month's issue, mm-hmm. there's pieces of X23 everywhere, and she's hollow. So yeah, I just assumed that that cover before I re-looked at this was because you know it was just a, a interesting take on the character and. You know, an interesting way to draw it. But now that I'm looking at this arm, is it just me, or I mean, are you looking at this too? It looks it, there's no bone. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're seeing. It looks like the that arm be... that 
that uh, Obi-Wan cut off in Mos Eisley's Cantina in A New Hope, Star Wars. And we all know that that was hollow. So, I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, I don't. I don't know anything about Star Wars. What? <laughs> okay, we're gonna skip, we're gonna skip this topic. <laughs> Interesting side note: Agent Morales has a toe ring on her left foot. Anyway, <laughs> go on. And her tongue comes back out on the last panel. I did notice that too. <laughs> Going through this, but it, it just looks like X twenty three is in trouble, and it looks like uh, Agent Morales. You know, she's got a uh, what is the word? What's the weapon she has? I don't know. Some sort of um, chainsaw sword thing. Chainsaw? Why could I think of the word chainsaw? <laughs> she's got a chainsaw in her hand, and it looks like she's ready to take out the rest, the rest of uh, X-23. Now, that's, now, is is Agent Morales' name Kim, Kimura? Kim, Kimura? Kimura? <laughs> that's what I was wondering. Is this two different people? I mean, I don't understand what's going on here. I guess, obviously, we I need to wait later to find out. And I have no idea how the Frost Giants have anything to do with anything. <laughs> yeah, it was a... I mean, I enjoyed the issue, um, if not just for the Warpath part. I just thought that was awesome when he just destroyed that guy. Um, it was kind of cool to see a little old-school X-Force reunion with Boomer, Domino, and Warpath together. Yeah. That was kind of sweet. Um, having Wolverine break the glass and take down Cyclops was just something that has needed to, to have quite a while. Um, so it, was a, it was a fairly decent issue, but it did leave me with some questions, not only on characters, but a couple of, you know, what's going to happen next and things like that. What did you think, man? I thought, it, I thought it was okay. I was glad to see Doug's... I'm, you know, I haven't been reading for that long, probably only, you know, eight years or so. But um, it was good to see Doug Ramsey coming back because I've heard a lot about him and just kind of he's a... Not a whole lot of people are fans of him, but the ones that are, and the and uh, who's the other guy? Warlock, right? Um, yeah, they're they're fans with the two of them, and I knew they were coming back in uh, New Mutants, and I'm really digging the New Mutants title. It doesn't have, have a whole lot to do with um, the six one six as a whole and and the direction it's going, but I'm liking the art on that one, and so I would like to see his who he is and his dynamic with um, Cannonball. So I was happy to see that, and this one, the art was fairly good. I thought number 17 had better art, and I don't know why. This one seems a little bit subpar, a little bit grainier. I thought it was good, but the Frost Giants, I don't understand what's going on with them. Like, do they fit in at all, or is Rain just having her own adventure? Uh, it's definitely going to have something to do with her boyfriend, you know, since he's from Asgard. Yeah, but what does Asgard have to do with... I mean, no, well, I know that the Frost Giants have to do with Asgard, but I mean, like, what does that have to do with the Legacy Virus and the Crocia coming up, or, or are they just like, hey, we pulled Rain off of X-Factor, so we got to use her somehow, or else Peter David's going to go berserk on us. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, Maybe that's, that's what it is. They're trying to save her. <laughs> that's it. They're like, if they don't, if they don't have her in the an issue of any single page of this issue, Peter David's going to call him up and be like, hey, give me back my character. My title sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> I need her. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Uh, it wasn't my favorite, but I'm glad you picked it because it does look like it has something to do with the mainstream where we're going with everything. 
overall, we'll see. I mean, and I know it has something to do with Necrotia, and that's a huge thing. And again, oh, man, you I know what? Wait. I'm looking at this again, and something is definitely going on because Caliban has his tongue out, and he's licking the gravestone. So it's something with these tongues. <laughs> Did you see that? Page 15. I do. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe there is some. You know what? It's probably because Doug Ramsey can understand any dialect or tongue that's out there. I doubt it. I doubt it. It's an interesting theory. <laughs> I don't know. We can go with it for now. Okay. All right. We'll do that for now. All right. Let me do um, Captain America Reborn 2. And go ahead and jump in anytime. I'm just looking at the cover and see Hitch. Uh. <laughs> You're so funny. All right. <laughs> I like Tim's sales cover. That's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. We start out in 1944. Captain America and the Allies are trying to stop the Red Skull from using some sort of occultic item to gain uh, the Axis demonic powers, which we've that's become sort of a thing of lore, but I, uh, from what I've heard, Hitler was obsessed with religious artifacts. So uh, Cap is wondering whether or not this is real because he realizes that he's reliving uh, this day in his fight with Masterman, which is kind of the Nazis' super soldier guy. Cap thinks that he, that he needs Stark or Reed or some other scientist to help him figure out what's going on because he admittedly is not the smartest person in the world. And not in a bad way, but there are others smarter than him. Which I think is kind of nice as a character. Like, we always get, you know, uh, Hank McCoy, Hank, Henry Pym, uh, Stark, Richards, uh, Amadeus Cho. All these people are, like, fantastically smart. And, all you know, so all our superheroes are amazingly intelligent. But it's good to have one who's like, you know what, I stand up for what's right, and that's, that's enough. Uh, we cut to the present day where Black Widow and Bucky are fighting the Dark Avengers and, and Hammer while trying to recover the Doom time device. Uh, we then see Sharon, Hank Pym, and Reed Richards in Reed's lab running some cellular tests on Sharon, and he refers to her again as the Constant. Uh, Osborne is meeting with Crossbone and Sin in their holding cell, and Sin, again, is um, the Red Skull's daughter. Now, do we know her, the mom? No, I don't, so I'm not sure. It's probably back before I was reading. Um, he offers them a job. Uh, because of what Armin Zola has told him, he wants to resurrect Captain America with or without the Red Skull's mind in the body, he says, to be under his control, because he thinks that if... if uh, he, I think he kind of senses that Captain America is going to be coming back because a lot of people are close to doing... Uh, to ending their charade and, and, and getting them back, but he wants to bring them back with uh, him under his control because that will sort of solidify what he's trying to do in Dark Reign. He says that helping him do this is the only way that they will dodge an execution. The next scene is in 1940, and uh, it's the creation of Captain America, and Steve is talking to Erskine about time travel, and Erskine informs him that if he were to do anything different, that the future he loves wouldn't be the same. Uh, Steve resides himself to not taking any action. Uh, and I think that kills him. He really wants to save Erskine. 
uh, Erskine is shot again, and Captain America is reborn. And I thought it was interesting how they said reborn instead of born, obviously because it's the title, but that's not exactly what... I, I don't know. I think it, I think he was trying to blend themes here. I think it kind of fit in. I think he should have said born, but it's maybe he's trying to do a common theme throughout the whole whole series here. I don't know. What do you think about that? I don't know. It could be a play on words, or maybe they're going to you know, do some retconning a little bit. Yeah, see, that's, that's what I was scared of. Like, if he's being reborn, then this isn't really... If, if this is him, then, then it means that this is Steve Rogers, who's already been Captain America, his consciousness coming back and being reborn as Captain America, and that might change things. Or maybe he was just yeah. saying, oh, this is a place we can use the word reborn because that's the, the title. But... Really, he's being born for the first time, but his consciousness is traveling. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, it's just one word, but it kind of, kind of took me by surprise when he said that. Now we're taken back to the present, and Osborne is talking uh, to a bound Bucky, who is, you know, Captain America and Black Widow, and he shows them that he has released to the news that there was a second shooter and that it was Sharon. He tells Natasha to give her a message. She has 24 hours to turn herself in, or she will have more than the fate of only one Captain America on her conscience. And again, um, it's all about Sharon somehow. It has something to do with Sharon, almost more so than it has to do with Bucky or... Um, maybe even Captain America, because Captain America's actions don't seem to have any effect on what's going on in the story. He's kind of just along for the ride. So I don't know. I, but do now, you, where is Sharon right now? She's, uh, I think she's still with uh, Hank Pym and Reed Richards in the lab with the Falcon. Okay. So I'm just thinking, like, is Sharon someone that's really hard to get a hold of? Because, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is disbanded. So it's not like she can be in hiding with them that Norman really needs you know, to tell Bucky and Black Widow that I need Sharon to turn herself in. Oh, uh, see, that's a good point. That's a good point. I'm, a, I'm assuming she's hidden with uh, Pym. And Pym's lab, uh, according to Mighty Avengers, is, you know, often some Pym particle alternate dimension in between, you know, who knows. <laughs> so, like, I would assume that Hammer doesn't have necessarily access to those type of things. But, again, that, that brings up a good point. Like, is she really that difficult to get a hold of? Why don't you just capture her and bring her in? She's not the smartest or most athletic or fighter that they're going to come across. Uh-uh. So. This is Norman Osborn here, you know? He could get her. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. I, I thought about this, and obviously I picked this one because I like Brubaker's style. I like the art. But it has, it has a lot to do with what's going on in the universe right now. And I think the culmination... And the climax of Black Rain, or, I'm sorry, Dark Rain, is going to happen when Captain America comes back. Now, I don't know how long Brubaker's going to stay on the title, though. Do we have any indication of that? I thought that he had said he was happy to stay as long as he's got stuff to say. Well, that, I mean, that, that's good for me. He just left Daredevil. He did his last Daredevil arc, ending with number 500. So I was wondering if he was pulling out and not doing any or if he was just sticking... Because I don't think he writes anything else, right? He writes Captain America, Daredevil, 
and then he writes Criminal, which isn't 616, but is there anything else he writes for Marvel? Who writes uh, Iron Fist? Twarzynski. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, maybe he doesn't then. So who knows? I mean, I was reading Wizard, and uh, they're bringing in all these new writers like Andy Diggle and Aaron, uh, Jason Aaron and Remendez, and it's kind of like, what happened to the other guys? Where's where is Straczynski? Where is you know Marv Wolfman? Where are, where are these guys? Who you know has their time passed? Or do they not get another shot at it? Like, do they just bring in new writers every five years and then say, okay, thanks, you move on to whatever? I think so. Well, that's sad because you're well, waiting to get to the big time to write the big two, and then like they're like, okay, you're, you know, you've been around too long. I mean, Bendis has been around the longest of all the guys who are writing right now. I mean, it seems like. Well, I know Straczynski. He just left because he he quit Thor. Oh, so did I thought he? That he was doing something for DC now. Oh, I didn't I didn't hear any about anything about that. He's still in the middle of writing Twelve, the Twelve, or did that get canceled? Well, he. Oh, I don't know. I didn't even bother with that one. Well, it was sort of interesting. They said that there's some kind of, you know, editorial came to him and, and wanted him to bring Thor into the next big crossover, and he said he wasn't going to do it, so he left. Well, after he's been jerked around by Joe Quesada with uh, Spider-Man, I don't blame him if he's had enough, you know? Yeah. I'm I mean, not that Thor in in the the stream of the 616 is bad, but... Yeah, preferences. If you're going somewhere, I think it. I think his Thor run is fantastic. It's the most interesting Thor I've ever read. Yeah, it's a different take. I like it. Yeah, it's a shame he's done. Does he? He ends with Thor annual, or? Yeah, he gets an annual. That's how he's gonna go out. Huh. That's a shame. You know what can he do? He's moving on to DC. I guess a lot of these writers move on to do their own books, right? Or do they just mm-hmm. kind of fade into obscurity? Yeah, like what? You know, are these people like mopping floors now or working at McDonald's? Where do these people go? I know, exactly. And how much can you get paid for doing two books a month or three? Yeah, that'd be interesting to know. I know Brubaker's writing the uh, the Marvel projects, so I guess that's three mm-hmm. books, but he just came, like I said, he just came off of Daredevil, so... Well, he had, he had Uncanny last year. Yeah, and I really liked that, but a lot of people didn't. I thought he did well. they do they turn like why are they there 
because they've been setting up for the invasion this whole time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know Good <laughs> I will single-handedly save that book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, your turn. What's next? All right. Next we have New Avengers 56. 56. We open up with a cover that I think my nieces and nephews could have drawn. <laughs> and then we start off... Okay, you got to help me out. Who is that, that bad guy? Um, that dude? I don't know. He's He's got to be part of the wrecking crew, right? Or no, he, no, I thought he was one of the Hoods people. He is, but the whole, the whole wrecking crew works for the Hood. I don't know. I don't know who that is. Okay. Well, who, okay, there's a dude in red and white, like, metallics. And uh, it opens up, and it looks like the new Avengers have just been defeated, um, except for Mockingbird and pretty much Luke Cage. He's standing there saying, ah, my heart, and uh, an expletive. Um, <laughs> it's a good opening just to see, like, the Avengers just pounded. That's why I really want to know who that guy is and what his power is, because these are the people that took on the Skrulls, and now there's just this one guy, and they're standing defeated. Yeah, um, I, yeah, that that is strange. <laughs> yeah. So we open up, um, like I said, you know, with that defeated, uh, the defeated Avengers, but then for the next few pages, it's just Mockingbird taking this guy down using Captain America's shield and Captain America's gun and jumping around and kicking him and... And uh, it was pretty cool just to see that Mockingbird is back and that, you know, even though she's been gone for a while, you you know, she can still handle her own. It's just, I want to know who this guy is and what his powers are because if he took down, you know, Ms. Marvel, how how is Mockingbird now taking him down, you know? Right. That was one of my questions. But her outfit is awesome. I think it was a really good way to modernize her old school outfit and, you know, without making her look totally different. It was a good update for her. Then, as you were saying, with the Wrecking Crew, they show up and come walking up, and uh, she's pretty much like, crap, what am I going to do? But uh, I'll do what I can with this shield, uh, which is not a whole lot. But then all of a sudden, they fall down, and it turns out Spider-Man webbed their feet, and they fell down. Uh, Wrecker smacks Mockingbird into a wall, and then she bounces into a sign, and she falls down defeated. They take down Spider-Man. And Luke Cage stands up and says that he's taken on the Wrecking Crew once, and he will do it to them again. However, he's still holding his heart. He's sweating pretty badly. Looks like he's in pain. And there's a big explosion. Wrecker then goes after Luke Cage and holds his crowbar to his heart. You know, asks him, does it hurt here? Hawkeye slash Ronan jumps up and tries to take down Wrecker, but that's just silly. (laughs) That didn't really work too well. Um, the rest of the Wrecking Crew continue to, you know, I'm sorry, the police show up to try and take him down. That's not going to happen. So the Wrecking Crew continue to beat the crap out of, you know, the, the law enforcement. They throw Spider-Man around. They hurt Luke Cage. And then, boom, the Sentry shows up. And that's who they were trying to go to get to show up. Um, Sentry shows up, but then all of a sudden falls to the ground. Not really sure what's going on. Sentry is just a character I really can't stand at all. It's See, this whole schizophrenia doesn't know what he's doing. I I I dig I dig, I dig the Sentry. I I really like the Sentry, and I hope he gets his own <laughs> book. 
Well, we're just gonna have to disagree on that one then. <laughs> I think he's I think he's fantastic. When he got brought in with everything with the they brought Paul Jenkins in. Did you read all that? The new Avengers the Century? Yeah. Yeah, but he's just he's Superman but with schizophrenia. Well, he's Superman with weaknesses. I think Superman's boring. Yeah, he is, and so Sentry. <laughs> All right, go on. Oh, and what's going on here? They have some sort of power drainer to, that was given to them last issue, right? I, okay. I didn't read the last issue. You didn't read? Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. That's we didn't cover the Avengers, huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were. Well, we went over it on the show maybe two two episodes ago, maybe. We did? Yes. Dude, Okay. I gotta start taking more of my fish oil for my memory. <laughs> Alright, let's see here. Uh, Alright, it doesn't say who that villain is, but it, we do have. Alright, Dr. Jonas Harrow. You remember this guy? Jonas Harrow, he's working on some sort of Stark tech uh, that was given to him by the guy who's attacking now, and they got it from their from the hood. And so they're going over the, um, they're just going over the tech. No, that doesn't ring any bells. Um, well, I mean, it makes the the rest of this issue makes more sense now. <laughs> okay. All right. Jonas Harrow's first appearance was Amazing Spider-Man 114. He was created by Jerry Conway. Oh, this is an old school character. Yeah, dude. He was hired by the Hood to take advantage of of the split in the superhuman community caused by the Superhuman Registration Act. Uh, Jonas Harrow is a genius surgeon, geneticist, cyberneticist, and machine smith. He requires medication for a heart condition. So that's who gave... All right, so the Wrecking Crew just took down a century. <laughs> I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, dude. That makes more sense. Okay. Interrupt all you want. All right, good. Interrupt all you Go on. All right. Um, and then Osborn shows up with the Dark Avengers. He tells the, uh, the Wrecking Crew to step back, that they're going to be under arrest. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Osborn's costume, his Iron Man armor is hacked in. No, he's called the Iron Patriot, isn't he? Right. The Iron Patriot armor is hacked into. There's a low Mr. Osborn. My name is Dr. Jonas Harrow. And I see, I thought this was just a brand new guy, so thanks for filming me in on this, dude. <laughs> Jonas Harrow has hacked into the Iron Patriot armor and is working with the Wrecking Crew. Jonas Harrow tells him, you know, that he's fantasized about being able to do what Osborne has done to skip over the so-called rehabilitation and get to the next phase in life. Osborne pretty much just says, you know, cut the crap, what are you doing, what's going on? And Harrow says that he's hacking him into this and he wants to make a deal with him, that he is working with Parker Robbins, who is who was formerly the Hood, but the Hood lost his powers with Dormammu, and um, that he wants, you know, to, to take part in, in what's going down with Norman Osborn. Norman Osborn, you know, asks where the Hood is, and they cut to Cuba with Loki, Madame Mask, and the Hood. They show up and find a box in a church that Loki has brought them to and says that these are some Asgardian... No, the Stones of Norn, what they're officially called. But they're apparently some magical Asgardian stone. Um, 
that what you imagine yourself to be, the stones will see it to be true. So they grant the person's wish of self, and apparently they they usually like to, I guess they choose the host, and it looks like they've chosen the hood. So this should be an interesting sub-point in uh, what hood's powers are going to be from here on out. Uh, the Dark Avengers are kind of like, you know, what's going on next? Osborne says to hold on, he's still tar- talking with Jonas Harrow. And he's, Jonas Harrow is saying that, you know, the hood is out of the picture, and he wants to show that he's a force to be reckoned with. He has the hood's people working for him now, and it would be good for him to, for Osborne to ally himself with him. Um, Osborne pretty much is just like, you know, that's, uh, he's pretty skeptical about it, and, you know, Osborne doesn't seem to want to make a deal with him. But then all of a sudden, you know, Venom falls out of the sky, Ares falls out of the sky, Ms. Marvel falls out of the sky, and Jonas just shows him how powerful he is and what he can do. Um, he breaks apart Iron Patriot's armor. Osborne falls to the ground, and he, when he gets up, all of the Hood's posse is standing over him, and the Wrecker says, so yeah, he wasn't bluffing. So basically, Jonas Harrow has Osborne in a very tough position. Uh, looks like he's going to either need to partner with him or he's going to be overthrown. So I thought that was, was a pretty sweet panel to end on. I didn't care for the art, but out of everything, that panel was pretty darn sweet. Yeah, that is that is good. All right, so what uh, what do you think about the issue as a whole? Uh, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. I think it kind of sets Norman up for some interesting moves. I mean, Norman is obviously Marvel's man of the year with all the crazy stuff he's been into and all the different ways he's been dra- drugged. Um, I think this sets up for a very interesting interesting uh, conundrum for Osborne to partner with them or possibly lose his power. I think it's pretty sweet. What did you think? I thought it was good. It's kind of like after Secret Invasion... Bendis has kind of lost his stride. He kind of did like his magnus opus then, and uh, he hasn't he hasn't done anything. I don't see him planning anything huge, but this kind of seems like okay, this is filler stuff, you know. And it's it seems like it's supposed to be big, but I don't know if it's going to happen because um, is he the one writing the the main titles now? I mean, Dark Avengers is a main title. And but right now Fraction's writing it, and I don't know is is it going to go back to Bendis? Yeah, me. So it's well, I mean, I think it I think it is, but I'm interested in what's going to happen with the Hood. And the the big problem I have with this is all these villains right here are like B and C and D listers, you know? Sure. And I know the the Wrecking Crew over the past three years has gotten like a lot of face time. But still, I don't find them imposing as, at all, no matter how many times they say, we took down Thor, you know? They're not like they used to be. Yeah, I, I, don't, I guess I haven't read them how they used to be. If you read the old issues of Avengers, like when the Wrecking Crew break into the mansion and just like beat the crap out of Jarvis, they take on Thor, you know, they take on Cap, like you see some real power there. They, you're right, they have been used a lot, but not as powerful as they, they could be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that the writers are trying to tell us that they're they're really a force to reckon with, but I don't I don't get that from them. You know, I mean, the Sinister Six I think could beat 
the crap out of all these guys. So, <laughs> I mean, that's what that's what that's what I feel like. It, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, but you know, I am interested to see what's going to happen with the hood. I was I was really into what was going on with Dormammu and uh, how Robinson was going to deal with that, and I thought that Dormammu was going to make a presence on Earth through him. But it looks like there's such inner conflict that he finally, you know, took the took the cloak off, the hood off, and using somebody else's hood for now. That I don't know if we're going to get that as much as I thought we were. Because Dormammu, if he set up shop on Earth, that's a huge villain that everybody's going to have to deal with, you know. But that might be too hard to write for everybody. So, well, I, and I think aren't they kind of? Aren't they kind of done after Dark Rain? Aren't they kind of giving us a break of these huge, you know, crossovers and things? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Which would be nice. And, and I think they said they're going to try that for a year and see how people respond. So, because I mean, it's been nonstop. Oh, I know. Avengers disassembled, House of M, Civil War, or you know, Decimation, Civil War, uh, Secret Invasion, and then Dark Rain. It's been nonstop. So. And World War Hulk. Oh, yeah. Got that one in there, too. Yes. That has been one on top of another. It's like, let them breathe for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I hope they, they take some time to reflect on that, too. You know, I hope they say, man, it's, we've done all this stuff in this amount of time, and I hope they give it a time frame, which I know they're hesitant to do. But that's really what was unfortunate about all these things is because they really could have been so much cooler if there would have been some reflection and some ramification from some of these big-time things. I mean, like with Hulk, you know, the World War Hulk was, like, here and gone, and, like, it doesn't really even matter anymore, and there was no reflection on it and, and none of that stuff. And well, I think Civil War. I think what they do is they, they, they come up and say, okay, well, we need ramifications for what happened. Let's open up another title. And the, the title, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, really, what they do is oh, Civil War happened, so we're going to deal with the effects of that in Avengers Initiative. And then they mm-hmm. feel like they can only do that for with these new characters for like three issues, and then they go off on their own adventures, and the whole thing gets lost. So I think the best the person who does the best job with it is probably Bendis, because it's his plan all along, and talk about the scrolls and everything, and they say how it's been the last couple times. Who knows, you know, are we going to let a shapeshifter, you know, be on the team... They say, how do we know who... Oh, you know, when, when Spider-Man refused to give up his identity, you know, at first, to the new Avengers, he was like, I don't know if yeah. I want to say anything. And they said, well, we just came off a of secret invasion. How are we going to be sure who you are? It could be anybody. So at least they brought it up, but that's only one writer throughout the whole Marvel 616. I thought it, I thought this issue was okay. And the art kind of is distracting. Yeah, that was the biggest downfall for me. Didn't care too much for that, but oh well. What are you gonna do? I guess. <laughs> Good. We just have to wait so we <laughs> we get something else. Wait till my awards come out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's do uh, the Marvels Project, and this will be our last one. Yeah. <clears throat> the Marvels Project is that a torch? No, it's not actually, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about that. All right. The Marvel's Project, written by Brubaker and Epting, uh, drawn by Epting, who did uh, originally was with Brubaker on Captain America. Prologue is New York, 1938. 
it's a guy in an old folks home or a nursing home, or uh, it might be an asylum. I'm not sure. Um, it's a doctor talking to Mr. Hawk, and um, he's telling him to take it easy, Matt Hawk. And Matt Hawk is telling him all these stories about superheroes. He'd tell me of those future, of those things, long afternoons of life beyond the Depression. Because he'd been there, he would insist. And the doctor's writing all this down. And eventually, Matt Hawk takes the big sleep, and he dies. And the doctor goes back to his study late one evening, and he sees a box on his desk from Matthew Hawk, Matthew Hawk from Boston and Texas, a lawyer. Matt Hawk was the two-gun kid. That's what, uh, that's what the book says here. And so he opens the box and finds a mask, as you would see uh, in the Old West, you know, like um, the Lone Ranger, and then two six-shooters in the box, and a little note that says, For Dr. Thomas Holloway. And he says, I read everything about the two-gun kid growing up and how he fought. And so it's a flashback to um, his days when he was growing up, and he is a prison warden's son. And so he spends his time in, the, in an open cell reading all these books and going through the library. It flashes forward again, and we see a note that says, from one hero to another. And that's the note that has the Holloway. Uh, to, to Thomas Holloway. Uh, and then it goes to part one, the Atlantic Ocean, 1939. It's um, him talking to the president, which is FDR, and they're talking about the Germans, obviously, and, and the Navy's reporting some German ships. And then we cut to the Germans out there in the middle of a storm. We see a Nazi flag. That's how we know it's a German ship. And they're pulling up nets, fishing nets, and there are people in the fishing nets, but these people have pointed ears, so we know that they are Atlanteans. And they're trying to get understand the power of Atlantis. And out of nowhere, Namor comes out of the ocean, and it's uh, on a giant wave. It's a pretty nice shot of him. He's coming out, and the wave is just exploding, and he is picked off, and you see the boat capsize. Well, actually, no, I guess it doesn't capsize, but you see it. You see the boat on the side of the wave, and then he jumps on the main deck and looks in the hold of the ship, and there are many, many bodies of dead Atlanteans, and he says, you will pay, all of you. We then cut to Professor Phineas Horton, and I don't know if you know who that is, but he is unveiling his synthetic man, and this is the first appearance of the Human Torch, and how he actually catches on fire. We see the demonstration of the human torch and we see protests about him and because of all the heat that everybody's taken, Horton decides to encase the human torch in a capsule underneath some cement. So in the wet cement they've built that looks about eight feet deep, they put a capsule and the human torch is in it. And because um, the human torch can light himself on fire when oxygen is around, Everybody is super scared, but then we see a doctor or some scientists talking in Germany about a headline from the Daily Bugle, actually, uh, Fireman is Alive, and that is referring to the Human Torch, and it's interesting because one of the doctors 
is Dr. Erskine, who is the creator of the Super Soldier Serum uh, for Captain America. And he, we just saw him get got shot again in Captain America Reborn 2. So they're going through and they see a lot of um, failed experiments and pieces of bodies and stuff on their tables um, as they are trying to create a super soldier formula. And this is before Erskine gets asylum from America. He's still in Germany. We head to London. All right, so two, uh, two guys from the Army go into a bar and they're trying to find these two guys who can really uh, be bold for, for a big mission that they have. And these guys, I think, are from the British military. We find out that they are actually Nick Fury, and I think... Red Hargrove, is that... Red Hargrove, yeah. Okay, so we find out that he's actually Nick Fury and Red Hargrove. So I think I'm going to have to look up who that is. Nick says that they're ready and that they can do anything, anything that they need done. So, And it sounds like that their job is to take Erskine, who wants to defect to America, and make sure he, sec- he securely gets there. We cut back to the, um, the cement that's been poured and the fence around it, and suddenly the, uh, the human torch comes out of there and breaks free, and then he, he sets fire to a lot of things by accident, and he says, no, no, stay back, keep away from me, and then he flies off in, into the sky, a lot of people, there's rioting and things like that, and we see Thomas come out of the wreckage and uh, defend some lady uh, who's getting attacked, and that's why we get the from one hero to another. He fights uh, the people off looting, and just like he, he heard Matt Hawk tell the stories, he's doing those same things. So then we go back to him in his library, all tattered and torn and bloodied and bruised, and uh, he goes back to the guns, and he says, yes, it seemed clear that morning that nothing would ever be the same again, and he looks at the guns uh, for Dr. Thomas Holloway, once again, to be continued. And the reason I picked this one, I picked it late, because it, it, it just came out, I think, last week, was because I was a huge fan of Earth X. Did you ever read that? I did. Yes. I was a huge fan of Earth X and how Jim Kruger and Braithwaite and Ross made the entire Marvel Universe flow in one direction and had, he gave it meaning and gave it one, one point. And uh, that was, if you've read it, it, it was the, the birth of the celestial that was gestating inside of Earth and how the superheroes were actually there to protect Earth from Galactus and the like, uh, from any harm that would come to the, the, the egg celestial. But... That's not 616. So that's kind of this like, you know, it could be this, it could, it, it, but this is sort of like a what-if story. So that's why I picked this, the Marvels Project, because it talks about, and it's going to tie, my understanding is it's going to tie everything from way back when, the first Marvel heroes in the 616, and that's the Two-Gun Kid, and, you know, obviously the Human Torch, and people we see back then, and, uh, and it's going to go all the way to the, the team that... Invaders, the invaders. Okay. So I think it's going to go all through that, and I like how they, you know, because I've always wondered about how Nick Fury was alive back then, he's still alive now, and how he still plays a pivotal role. You know, and he takes these these youth treatments, I guess, to make him still still stay young, but 
we get that feeling of Erskine, and I want to know how Holloway fits into the whole thing. Anyway, it's it's almost like the epitome of the mainstream 616, the time, the history timeline of what's going to happen. So I was like, well, I have to pick this one. So anyway, that's why I picked <laughs> it. You should go back and read it. I, I apologize for not writing out a, a solid review of it. I thought I had it, but... Um, it's pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to the second one. And you brought up the torch, and I thought that was really interesting that they came out with that, too, just now, because I think that came out last week, and that's an Alex Ross thing. And it sort of it sort of takes off, or, or it takes up where um, Avenger, Invaders Avengers left off. And I was not a fan of that one. I think that was still Alex Ross, and I think that was Kruger also, the same team that did Earth X. Yeah. But I just thought it was all over the place and it wasn't as amazing as Earth X because they were trying to fit it into curtain, current continuity, which is which is important to me, but it was so spanning that so much had changed over the course of uh, their story. And the only thing that I see that it affected was it brought back Toro. And so Torch number one is about Toro going and uh, taking on the Thinker who I think originally killed him, and so the thinker captures him, and he's going to try to bring back the Human Torch or something like that. So we'll see. Um, I'm not. I think the art's probably going to be pretty good for the Torch, but the story, I don't, I don't really. I don't think it's going to have a, a main effect. But I was really thrilled when I saw Brew Baker and, and Epting doing this one. Any ideas? I know you didn't read it, but any thoughts on that one? Oh, it's just interesting that Marvel's going back to a lot of this old school stuff, you know, between Captain America Reborn and the Marvel's Project and the New Avengers Invaders and um, the Torch. Like, kind of interesting, I guess. I've never been into those old school or those stories, like anything pre-Fantastic Four Avengers, but I don't know. I mean, if they can, if people are into it, yeah, I, th I think it, I mean, it, some of it has to do with the, it's the 70th anniversary, so they're all nostalgic and everything, but I think some of it has to do with, they kind of say, okay, we, if you count timely comics, we've been doing this for 70 years, these characters, I, we want to make a definite show of who has aged, who hasn't aged, and kind of put some years to it, and kind of, you know, say, all right, we're making a stand, these people are retiring, because I don't know if you read Destroyer, because Destroyer was a, a was a um, a timely comic, you know, 70 years ago, but they just came out with a five issue Max series Destroyer, and it was really bloody and everything. But it was really the Destroyer stepping down and passing on the mantle to the next guy. And I think that was not a story about the Destroyer. It was a story about the the symbolism of okay, we are turning a new page, and yeah, 70 may seem arbitrary to, to pick this year, but we do realize that there are some things in the Marvel Universe that we need to let go and some things that we need to incorporate and put some age limits to it. So, I don't know. I think that's good. Yeah, I, I, I like that they're doing that, except I wish they would get rid of Agents of Atlas. We don't need that crap in there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. All right. Um, I got next on the list, uh, talk about how it all fits together, sort of the... Uh, yeah. The timeline. So we'll just we'll just touch on some of this stuff because um, we're we're going long again, obviously. But um, did you have 
anything to add? I mean, we, let's talk about the list first and foremost because that comes out this month. I think it might have come out this week, number one. Uh, the list, as I understand it, is supposed to be sort of the before we get any longer, any further into dark rain, this is how Norman Osborne deals with these key people who we haven't seen him deal with yet, but we know that, you know, if Norman Osborne is in control, he has to deal with these guys before anything goes forward. So to me, it's sort of like a catching up type thing, like, oh, he would have, you know, for the sake of, sake of stories, we couldn't do this right away, but we do eventually have to deal with this. What did you think? I can't wait, man. I love, I'm just so in love with what Norman is doing in the Marvel Universe. So um, I'm really pumped about these issues just to find out how he's going to do, you know, deal with these seven characters, what he would do or what he was planning on doing or what he is planning on doing before his downfall. It's just really interesting to me. This is the kind of stuff I like. I think it's going to be good, um, hopefully. I, I kind of have my doubts about some of it. From what I read, from the articles I sent you and everything, it's, it sounds like it's a list. It's his list of something that needs to be taken care of, and there's supposed to be an, a ninth item on the list. I think it's going to be eight issues, eight single issues, not like a series, but there may be a surprise ninth issue or a ninth item on the list that's going to lead into the next step in this whole thing and and like you said you know dark rain is going to be the last thing but i think this will be the the next step will be the ending of dark rain so i'm not sure what that is well i had read in an article that the ninth like you know that promo picture they put out and there's a like you know it has this, the screens with all the characters but then one of the screens says classified or 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 whatever it says you know that yeah that picture i'm talking yeah. about oh, yeah i do in one of the interviews it said that there was plans for doing another, having another character uh, with a list book, but then they changed their mind, so they're going in a different direction with that character, but they weren't going to let us know. Oh, huh. Well, I guess that would make sense. I don't know. Well, I thought it was a mystery item, but if they're going in a different direction, then I'd, I think I would want to know who the character was. But, hey, maybe it's Doug Ramsey. Who knows? <laughs> it could be <laughs> the list, Doug Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> we need to deal with this guy. <laughs> he knows so much. <laughs> so two issues. <laughs> All right, maybe well, Mickey Mouse. Maybe that was like Casada's whole plan there. Maybe you know? it is. Mickey takes Bring New York. Disney characters. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope not. Holy cow! The X Babies and 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 Death, uh, Donald Duck. That's what yeah, they should do. That'd be great. The Huey, X, Dewey, and Louie. Huey, Dewey, and Louie and the X-Babies. Oh, that'd be terrible. <laughs> I, would, I never want to see that. Your kids will love it. All right, well, let's let's hit on the Crocia. What do you think about that? Oh, I think I'm look, so looking forward to it. Yeah. You know I'm a big, you know, X-Men guy. I can't wait. Yeah, well, see, that's, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't think I fully understand what's going on here and how all the pieces are fitting into place. So we got... New Mutants, which they haven't dealt with anything yet. We got Legacy, which at first I thought had to deal with the Legacy virus, but obviously not. But then the Legacy virus yeah. comes up in um, X-Force. What, does the, what is the Legacy virus, and, and, and how is that different than the techno-organic virus? And lay it on me. What's the deal? The Legacy virus was released by Strife before he hit on the moon. Back during the Executioner song, um, 
in like the the early to mid nineties. Mr he left a canister, Mr. Sinister opened it and was like, There's nothing in here but really it was a virus um that strife and apocalypse had created in the future and it infected it would infect mutants. Um it infected a couple mutants. Uh, well I mean it affected lots and lots of mutants, but only about eight or nine main characters. Uh, like multiple man and uh, magic and pyro and some of those characters and Colossus even ended up sacrificing his life for the cure. Okay, so, um, that, so that was a legacy virus. I started. Uh, but there re- was a cure. cure. I started. What? I started reading um, X Men. I think the issue after uh, Colossus sacrificed himself. So I missed all of that. Now you are up to speed. Oh. <laughs> no, go on. So Sinister did he? Was he in on it? No, Sinister was not in on it. He. It was a strife apocalypse thing. Now, from did, the future. Didn't Sinister, doesn't he serve Apocalypse or no? He used to serve Apocalypse back in, like, in the 1940s and 50s. Uh, not, probably not even then, like in the 1800s is when Apocalypse helped create Sinister. Uh, but Sinister broke away a long time ago. So that was the legacy virus. But like I said, you know, Colossus is, you know, he, Beast and uh, Moira McTaggart came up with a cure and but in order for the cure to take place, you know, Colossus had to needed a human host to release it, and it would kill the human host, and it killed Colossus. But you know, we know he he came back and everything. Right. Um, so that was the legacy virus, the transmode virus that you're talking about. That came from the phalanx. You know who the phalanx are. Right. Yeah. So that's what that was the transmode virus. Okay. So that's not. Well, what's going on right now? Are we? Are we? The legacy virus, or no? Because in you, you're up to speed on X Force, right? Yes. Okay. Well, they went down to the bottom of the ocean in like X Force four or five, and I thought they like awoken the the Phalanx, right? Yeah, the Phalanx is back, and then the Phalanx is also doing a lot of the stuff in the cosmic titles. Well, right. Yeah, that was uh, Annihilation Conquest. But yeah. are we seeing any of that now? Like, how are they reanimating? Doug Ramsey, Eli Bard, <laughs> Eli Bard stuck his hand in the grave to reanimate Doug Ramsey, and I thought it had something to do with. I mean, obviously Necrotia is like walking, like a lot of dead mutant coming back, which is a shame because Blackest Night and the DC continuity is like the yeah. same thing. So, are, is it the Legacy virus, or is it is it a virus at all, or or do we not? I don't think it has anything to do with the Legacy virus. But, like, you know, the phalanx, they were able to take on the form of other people, and, you know, and they could bond with other people. And so I think that that's going to be what the phalanx is doing is, you know, they'll... And, and actually, I don't know, have, have you ever heard of Doug Lock? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's, when, you know, that's when Cypher and Warlock were, who and Warlock mm-hmm. is part of the phalanx, when, you know, Cypher and Warlock mm-hmm. were connected um, as Doug Lock. And, you know, now the phalanx is back, and... They're going to resurrect, Doug, mm-hmm. you know, Doug Ramsey and, you know, Magadak. So I don't know how it's all going to fit mm-hmm. together, but I know Celine also has a, a part mm-hmm. in it that she's going to come back and mm-hmm. apparently raise the dead using her powers, too. The whole thing to me is so, be pretty interesting. Like, mm-hmm. so out of left field, because I guess I'm not up on this, but I thought it had something to do with the legacy virus because of what they did to Boom Boom and Surge, right? Mm-hmm. Weren't they infecting them with the legacy virus and then releasing them? Like, wasn't that the well, whole that's a different thing? strain. That's a different strain of the legacy mm-hmm. virus. They've mutated the legacy virus, mm-hmm. and it looks like it 
it um, they are infecting mutants with that strain of the legacy virus. But then also the X-Men, Cyclops infected the Skrulls with a strain of the legacy virus. Right, that's what killed me, because I had not heard about it for a long time, and I was like, well, if they're bringing this back, isn't it going to kill all the mutants? And then I thought that was the same thing that X-Force was using. But is, that's not it? I, no, I guess since it's a different strain, they cured the legacy virus, but now if they're mutating the legacy mm-hmm. virus, it's a whole new, whole new mm-hmm. battlefield. I can't keep track. <laughs> I know. I know. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand it, but I don't have the mm-hmm. history behind me. So what should I read? Executioner song, and what should I read mm-hmm. to understand Necrotia that you think? Because obviously you don't know all of it. We have to do. I think X Force. The legacy virus doesn't come out until the last page. Like you can read all all twelve or sixteen issues, but it won't talk to you anything about the legacy virus. Oh, I see. There's a trade paperback out. Um, I think it's like the death of Colossus or or something, where it has all the issues leading up to Colossus's death. They talk quite a bit about the legacy virus in that one. I can go through some stuff and then do some stuff. All right. Well, that sounds good. I was, I was, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, I know a lot of the old Spider-Man stuff, but I don't know any of the old X-Men stuff. So uh, that's why we have you. You can explain this stuff to me. And and you explain that, that dude from New Avengers that appeared in Amazing Spider-Man 114. Yes, but that was also just Wikipedia. So <laughs> okay, I didn't, I'm not that knowledgeable. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Nation X. Have you heard of this? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, what have I mean, you heard? I don't think they're. I don't think they're releasing a whole lot. I know it's. They're bringing Magneto back. Nation X, from what I understand, is the third option between Magneto's vision of how mutants should live and Professor Xavier's dream of peace. And Nation X might be Cyclops' answer to that, which is a third option, which may be a mixing of the two, which. But I don't know. Any sort of mixing of the two, I don't see how that could happen. But we saw what happened to Genosha, so I don't see how Nation X could thrive if it was just uh, the 198 or however many we have left, you know, going and living somewhere else. And then, like, how would you bring the MRD into it, too? I don't know. We, we've, I know it has a lot to do with Magneto coming back, so we'll, we'll see what's going yeah. on with them. And I think... Yeah, I think we just need to get more information. Obviously. Uh, have you been have you been keeping up on the cosmic stuff? I don't. I just uh, if there's an interview on Newsarama or a comic book resources or something, I sometimes will read it. But no, it kind of seems like the six one six has three storylines that go all the time, and sometimes they intermix and sometimes they don't. You know, sometimes they cross. Or like the first one is the X Men storyline, and that's the the history of the X-Men, and that's what we're seeing in, um, you know, the X-Force and Uncanny and Legacy, which really, it's Uncanny and X-Force right now, because Legacy, I would argue, doesn't matter. X-Factor doesn't matter. Astonishing X-Men definitely does not matter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we see kind of the Avengers titles, which I would say that Dark Avengers, New Avengers, and I wouldn't, Mighty Avengers, I wouldn't put in there. But those two, uh, New Avengers and Dark Avengers, are sort of a different storyline, and that's kind of what's driving right now the entire Marvel 616. But then there's the cosmic stuff, and we got mm-hmm. titles like Nova, Guardians of the Galaxy, and then we have, I 
think those are the only two monthly. We had War of Kings, which just ended, and then um, I think we're going to get a Dark Hawk title coming out of that too. So have you have you read any of that? Not a one. I had to, <laughs> I had to catch up on Annihilation, and then Annihilation Conquest, and then I started reading War of Kings. And the whole premise is, I guess. Uh, annihilation took place, which was Annihilus coming from the negative zone, trying to the annihilation wave, trying to take over everybody, and uh, they destroyed the Nova Corps, which is sort of like the Green Lantern Corps, from what I understand, sort of like the Jedi's. I know you, I just found out you don't know anything about Star Wars, but it's sort of like the Jedi's, and then um, destroyed that, and they had to take a stand and beat back Annihilus. Then. Annihilation Conquest, and then the, the Nova title came out of that. So we had, I'm pretty sure, it came directly after that. And then we had Annihilation Conquest, which was the Phalanx coming back because of, what's that guy's name? From Ultron? Yes, Ultron, thank you. Uh, because of Ultron. Ultron was kind of their leader and merged with the Phalanx and took over uh, the Kree homeworld. The scrolls were doing their thing, which is kind of cosmic. They were doing their entire invasion, and the reason what prompted that invasion was that the scroll homeworld was totally destroyed by Annihilus in in uh, Annihilation, and so that that kind of added to why Secret Invasion did occur at the time it did occur. So then we had to fight the Phalanx and, and bring that all back. And then out of that came Guardians of the Galaxy. And then because of... And I, I liked how they did this. They did it with Vulcan taking over the Shi'ar, which was in Uncanny. You know, it started out in Deadly Genesis. And they used that. The Inhumans went to war with them because the Inhumans took over the Kree because the Kree were in shambles because of Annihilation Conquest. And then the Kree and Shi'ar, or the Kree and the Inhumans went to war against the Shi'ar because Vulcan was just a, a, a bloodthirsty warmonger. Eventually, I think Vulcan and Black Bolt were killed. So now it's who will rule. And they kind of tore a rip or tore a hole in space. And so that's the big thing now. And I think that's going to, it's going to lead to Dark, Hork, uh, Dark Hawk coming into another title. Kind of open up the cosmic thing a lot more. So anyway, that's really interesting. There's three timelines that are going on here, or three tracks of history that are going on. So uh, we're kind of focusing on the ones on Earth, but the ones in space have something to do with the 616 also, just on a grander scale than what we're looking at. I had no idea that Vulcan and Black Bolt had died. Yeah, I, I, I'll probably have to go back and check that, but I think in War of Kings number 6, they what, what was going to happen is that the Inhumans were going to release a bomb um, which was activated by Black Bolt's voice over almost all of space, over Shi'ar, and it was going to release the Terrigen Mist over the Shi'ar and, and transform them all so that you know they pretty much would conquer everything because everybody would mutate into what the, the Inhumans, what they, would, what they are. And so Vulcan met them halfway. Uh, Lalandra died. Did you know that? She was assassinated. No, I love Lalandra. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Yeah, she got... I love Vulcan, too. <laughs> and Black Bolt. I liked all of them. She got killed by Darkhawk, because Darkhawk was possessed by the armor that he wears, 
so what had happened now is Blastar from the negative zone where our, uh, the prison is, the 42, you know the prison that they sent everybody? He took over the prison, and now he's, he, he wants to rule our world again. I think that's where they're leading. So it's kind of like who will rule. The only person who's left who has any strength is Blastar because they had to form an alliance with him to take out Vulcan. Man. Yeah. And the only, I mean, Earth doesn't know anything about this. That's the thing. Uh-uh. We have some X-Men up there. We got Havoc up there. We got Rachel and some of the, the Star Jammers, which I think the Star Jammers I read are going to show up this next year in a lot of different titles, so we'll get them on Earth a little bit. Yeah. But um, Polaris is up there too, right? Yes. Yeah, Lorna. Yep. Okay. She's up there. She's with Havoc, and um, they killed Vulcan, which is that's why they stayed. I know that's kind of been tormenting Scott for a while now. But anyway, it's really interesting. Huh. I like how everything flowed pretty organically and, and has affected Earth, but Earth doesn't even know it for the most part. So, Oh, yeah, and they're also rebuilding the Nova Corps. They're going through trying to rebuild and, and pick the, the best and the brightest from all the world. But do you, do you read everything, then? I, <laughs> I do. I read, <laughs> I read... I'm just wondering if there are any Marvel titles you don't read. Mar- well, I definitely read all 616, and I... Like all the miniseries, I read most of the Mac stuff, and anything that comes out that's like Icon, like Criminal by Brew Baker, I don't read that. So if it's Marvel, I, I pretty much read it. Hey, I know, dude. I know it takes up a lot of time. <laughs> but I'm looking at. Let me see what I read here. I haven't read the um, the Stephen King thing. I haven't read that, and I I don't read Halo, but I, I'll read. I and I don't read the Noor titles, and I don't read Marvel Adventures. So that's a that's a chunk, you know. I thought you did read. You told me you were trying to buy the Marvel Adventures titles on eBay. Yeah, I well, I collected all the Spider-Man Marvel Adventures, and I'm going through those, but I'm not reading them as they come out. Okay. Yeah. So I I read everything from Marvel Divas all the way to uh, Uncanny X-Men First Class. Whoa. Yeah. And with Marvel a, Divas. With a <laughs> yeah, with a couple in between that I don't like. Uh, I haven't caught up on, on Scar, you know, Hulk's son. I haven't read that. On what? Son of Hulk, Scar. Oh, Scar. I thought you said Hulk Star. I didn't know what that was. No, okay. no, no, no. Yeah, Scar, Son of Hulk. I haven't read that. Apparently now he's on Earth. i got to go back and read that to understand what's going on in Hulk. I don't know how you remember that stuff, man. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, can I go and sit down to do this? I have to write it all out or else I can't remember <laughs> what, what I'm talking about. That makes sense. <laughs> are you reading? Yeah, are you reading uh, X Men Forever? <laughs> no, I'm not. Because <laughs> it's not six one six. Oh, okay. You're right. You're right. Are you reading yeah. it? No, I don't read it. If it's not out in trade or you don't give it to me, I'm not reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm collecting it. I have it. I I figure once it's canceled, I'll read. I'll re- go back and read it. Not going to be canceled. It's going to go on forever. You are delusional. (laughs) (laughs) I just read a poor guy. I read an interview with Claremont uh, yesterday, and and he says that he just intends this to go on till he till he dies. Really? Is it? Like, oh, I really don't think it's going to make it, buddy. (laughs) And you met him, right? Oh yeah, yeah. He was a nice guy. Oh, very nice. Very personable. Great guy. 
See, that's what makes me so sad because I, I don't like his comics that much. And I hope it does go on forever. But the the problem is is that they they diverged a long time ago and that you know, this is kinda just like nostalgic for those people who used to read his stuff and wanted to know where he was going with it. But he needs to get into the current continuity. There's there's hardly any books out there that keep going that are not in current continuity. You got the ultimate line, which just relaunched because they were like, "Well, not enough people are buying it. Let's let's kill the universe and then see what happens." You know? Yeah. And yeah. then you got Marvel Adventures, but that's your kids' line. Uh, I don't I don't know. I feel sorry for the guy. Well, and in, in his interview yesterday, he he also said that. Uh, he didn't go back and look at his notes for what he had planned, that this is all new stuff. And here, I had thought that this is what his plan was. If my my assumption was that this title was for him to go on with the stories he had planned from 1991 on. Right, that's what I but, thought it was. Yeah, so I'm like, sweet, you know, I want to see what, where he really had these people going, but that's not what his plan is. So that was kind of a, a letdown to know that if he's just making up as he goes. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer because if he had good plans back then, why would they not be relevant now if he's just leaving off where they were? Well, he said a lot of them were, you know, were taken. Like he, way back, like in the mid-90s, he had an interview out where he said that his, what happened with him, Jim Lee, and Bob Harris was he wanted to kill Wolverine, have him resurrected by the hand, and be out of the, and battle the X-Men for a whole year not being the X-Men. Well, that's exactly the story that Mark Miller wrote. Right. You know? So he's kind of like, why, you know, I can't do that. It would just look like I'm plagiarizing. So he's going off in a new direction. That's a shame. That's a shame. And that was an okay story, but I, I would have liked to have read it as original. Exactly. Don't take somebody else's story, dude. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not a huge fan of Mark Millar anyway. And is it is it just me? Him or, leave him. or have we have we missed the end to Old Man Logan? It's been like three or four months since Old Man Logan. Like, it hasn't ended yet. We're still waiting for, like, giant-sized Old Man Logan. And how was that in Oh, it didn't up? come out? What? It didn't come out? The ending didn't come out? Not yet. Oh. Is it even on the solicits? I haven't I haven't seen it, but, I mean, why would they not? I mean, we, we haven't seen anything. It's ridiculous. I knew that they arranged, didn't they arrange the orders, like they put out issue 73 before 72 or whatever? Yeah, something like that. And then they were going to end it up with the giant size close out the storyline. I didn't know it hadn't come out, man. Oh, here we go. All right, let's see. Old Man Logan, giant size number one, uh, September 23rd. But still, September, and when was, when was the last Old Man? Yeah, Old Man Logan was 72. So we're getting the conclusion of that story one, two, three, four, five months later? Come on. That's a, that's a half a year. <laughs> like, oh, you just hold tight, guys. Ah, oh, that's so dumb. Anyway, I I think the guy is so arrogant. I obviously don't know him. I can't say that. Whatever. All right, let's let's move on. Let's go to Artinas. Okay. <laughs> don't get me riled up. I can't take it. <laughs> All right. How many Tinas you got? I've got two. Okay, I got three, so I'll go first and then. All right, number one. Tina number one. Complicated disaster.
the crazy move on Marvel's part. The crazy move is Disney buying Marvel. What is the deal? That came out of left field. It's like <laughs> Twitter buying, you know, like Twitter buying Image or something. I couldn't, I did not understand it. <laughs> I was, it totally blew my mind. And I hope you're right. I'll, I'll give it a chance. I hope you're right. They said the content's not going to change, you know, but all I know is that Warner Brothers would not let, or DC, one of the two, would not let uh, Bruce Wayne show up on Smallville because they wanted to keep their property separate. So if something like that happens, I mean, that's going to inhibit storytelling. But, you know, I really think that Marvel learned its lesson because Disney is going to buy Marvel and off the Sony. The X-Men are over at Fox, and they see that their two biggest properties are not at home anymore. Yeah, you're right. So they're really, you know, and with these Avengers movies and Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man all going to share the same universe, and the Hulk and Ant-Man, like, I think they're going to keep them all together. I really do. Yeah, I, that's true. That's true. And I have, they have learned a lesson. And with some backing from Disney, maybe we can get enough money to do the Avengers movie. Because that's going to cost a ton to pay all those the mainstream actors. I think they need to get some no names for you know for Thor and for Captain America because Robert Downey Jr. is already going to be enough on their pocketbook. Exactly, exactly. I think you're right. All right, your first Tina Award. Mine is called Get Back. And that is for the new Avengers 56. Get Back Award is because New Avengers and this needs to get back to what it used to be. <laughs> New Avengers is I just don't even recognize it anymore. I like granted I like the it I like that issue. I like seeing Norman, you know, defeated there at the end. But you open it up and this could be whatever book this could be Dark Avengers, this could be the Dark X Men book, this could be the might you you have no idea when you look at these characters. Um but not only just the characters, but the language. I you know, 10 years ago, I could have picked up Avengers, and there would have been no cuss words. But it's hard to turn a page, and there's not an expletive on a page. And I just don't understand why the characters need to talk like that. I don't understand what happened to my Avengers. So get back. <laughs> okay. That's what I say. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's good. All right. Last last um, episode I got mixed up, and I said, what you see is what you get. But actually, the Tina Turner song is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, is what you get is what you see. Well, Andy, you are right on both accounts, actually, because Ike and Tina recorded a song called What You See Is What You Get, but solo, Tina recorded What You Get Is What You See. <laughs> All right, well, I... So I put, the, good. <laughs> I put the wrong song to it last time. That well, I didn't even count Ike. Man, I don't think I got his stuff. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> now, how do you feel about you know his? Let's just. I I know there's history there, but real quick, how do you feel about his musical talent? He is. He's like one of the fathers of rock and roll. If it would have been for his song Rocket '88 in 1952. You wouldn't have had people like Elvis, Little Richard, and I mean, he's a musical. He knows what he's doing. Unfortunately, he just he got stuck in a rut, and he continued to do the same thing. But he is one of the founders of rock and roll. Okay, well, I'm glad you you sound pretty objective on that. So that's good. Sure. I mean, personally, he made a ton of huge mistakes and very dumb. 
but that's a different note. Okay, well, I think you're going to have to inform me on all this because I, I don't, I don't know any of this stuff. And what I do okay. know, I, I've, I've had to look up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So yeah, mine is what you get is what you see. panel and it is domino on page seven of x-force number 18 and i will give you a second to turn there if you want yes which page did you say that was i think it's page seven it's at the lower right hand corner okay i'm with you beautiful she's got blood spatter on her but i do have to say that even though i said that this issue's art was a little bit grainier um I thought that the way her eyes and her lips were and her hair, I just think it's a fantastic, I think it's a fantastic uh, picture. And it's a good depiction of her trying to or reacting to what's about to happen, to the blast that's coming. Very lifelike, you know. It looks like it could be a real person. Right. Right. Exactly. I don't understand what the black patch is. Is that do we do we ever find out what that is? Is that like on her skin? Is that a tattoo? Is it makeup or is she born with it? I've never heard. Something else? I'll put that down on my list of questions to find out for next time. <laughs> okay, we're gonna have to go back to the list. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. All right, yours, sir. All right, my second and final award is the All the Woman Award. Mockingbird in New Avengers 56, because if you look around, you know, all the Avengers are splattered all over the place, but Mockingbird, she doesn't stop. She keeps going and going until they, that whoever that villain is, <laughs> takes her down, but, you know, she really uh, used her brains, and it was a, it's a good way to continue to reintroduce Mockingbird as um, someone to not take, take lightly. Yeah, I thought that. I think you're right. I think that's fantastic. And the reason why she could fight is because she didn't have any powers, right? She wasn't depowered. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's really great, really admirable. My last Tina. We didn't talk about this, and we we hadn't read Spider-Man this week, so I don't know if I want to say it, but it's in Spider-Man. I'll just go ahead and say it. It's what's love got to do with it. What's love got to do? Got to do with it. And it's an unnecessary love scene in Spider-Man 601. Did you read that? No. I've, I've got it in front of me right now, though. I think it's 601. Peter Parker and his roommate, I think they both got drunk, and they wake up next to each other. All right, he wakes up. He's remembering the reception. He remembers Mary Jane. And then he thinks it's Mary Jane next to him, which he sees the black hair, and ah, uh, it's terrible. Not only is the art terrible, but, yeah. I mean, horrid, horrid art, but just the fact that this happens. They thought it would be fun to have this dynamic where he accidentally slept with his, his I, I, unnecessary. 
So what does love have to do with this thing? There's no reason Absolutely to put Absolutely nothing. Right. <laughs> There's no reason to put that in there. And uh, so anyway, that's not... That's not, we didn't discuss that, but it's still 616, so it's okay. I'll just go ahead that's and say that. What did you say? I said that's a shame. Yeah, it was. It's, it's I, unnecessary. I was, I was bummed to see that because the whole, if you remember the, the first issue after, um, the first issue of Brand New Day opens up with him in a lip lock with some girl on the dance floor, Right. And everybody was like, oh, great. You know, they're just throwing it in our face and everything. But I almost like that better and saying, you know, because if you make it a big deal, then you're saying that this is sort of a sacred thing, you know? Like, this is sort of a – this is he should be doing this with Mary Jane with no other, no other girl, right? Which it's just kissing, so be that as it may. But, but then to throw this in number 601 just for a stunt, just for – like, it's not, it's not even shock value – it's just kind of like, ha, 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 oh, it was a mistake, you know, and maybe we'll get some laughs out of it. I don't know. I, I thought it was thought it was raunchy, you know? Yeah, it's just not needed. Exactly. Not needed in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I know you got to go, and uh, we don't have time to go through solicits. There wasn't anything that really caught my eye. Um, I'm looking forward to... I'm looking forward to maybe the, the Weapon X story, but that's not really in the main continuity. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to the end of Old Man Logan and Giant Size number one, just getting the end of that story because I don't see how it fits into continuity. So hopefully we'll, yeah. we'll see it fit together. To me, it should have been its own title, and it shouldn't have been in the, in the, Wolverine, um, in the Wolverine title at all. So, yeah, it would have been a great miniseries. Yeah, I think so too because... Anything that happens within those stories is supposed to happen within 616, right? I thought so, yeah. I thought so, too. So it'd be, I, I'm really, I'm going to be severely disappointed if something happens that it's not included. So, we'll see. Anyway, anything else? Okay. All right. Well, um, listeners, uh, you can find us on iTunes under Marvel 616 Politics. Um, Marvel616politics.com is our website. Uh, Marvel616politics at gmail.com. Um, the, the phone number again is 985-276-9275. Call and leave a voicemail. We'll play it up on the air or parts of it, probably not the whole thing. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at uh, N-I-K-H-A-T-T-E-R. Have fun, and until next time. Yes, I'm T.